0: Welcome to the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast, where business leaders tell their stories and share their insights. All our guests have a personal connection with Nottingham Business School. So listen,
1: learn, enjoy and share.
0: David Williams is the chairman of Geldance, one of the country's top 100 law firms. He has been a lawyer for more than 30 years but he is also a respected leader who is Deputy Chairman of the D2N2 Local Economic Partnership, a non-exec at East Midlands Chamber. David Williams, welcome to the Nottingham Business School's Business Leaders Podcast.
1: Thank you, Mike. It's good
0: to be here. So, you've been a, been a lawyer for more than 30 years, uh, and for around half that time, you've also been a leader. You've built teams, run companies, chaired boards. Um, was being a leader something you always intended, or or did it just happen?
1: Absolutely, it wasn't something I intended. Um, I think anyone who says they've got a plan in life is probably telling fibs. Um, I never imagined that leadership was something that would come to me. I am generally quite a shy person, quite introverted, but I think generally through life, I've found that there are vacuums that I felt needed to be stepping into, and one of those vacuums is people needing leadership. Very few people volunteer to be a leader. Um, Leaders tend to emerge rather than get trained or built. And in various situations I've been in, I have wandered into that space and then felt comfortable, surprisingly to me, occupying it. So no plan. No plan. It just happened. just happened, yeah. Okay. So
0: going back to the start of your career, you grew up in Wigan, very proud of the fact. You went to university in Liverpool, then law college in Chester. So... Looking back, do you think you were doing anything either consciously or subconsciously to prepare yourself for the leadership you took on in later life?
1: Looking back and prompted by your question, I can see where the seeds were now, although I would never have identified them at the time. So my father died when I was very young, when I was less than three. So there was no male leadership role. And it's interesting we record this on International Women's Day, but I, I spent my life surrounded by very strong women. So brought up by mother, sister, two grandmothers, uh, all of whom were very strong leaders in their own right, all of whom were suffering various difficulties that they dealt with extremely well. And I guess I learned from that. And then if I look at, you know, before my career started, if I look at school days um, and through university, I always ended up as, and it probably doesn't sound so good, but I always ended up as the team captain, or the school prefect, or the head boring librarian. So, so that must have given you some indication, you know. And, and it's your peers
0: and your superiors who were picking you for these positions.
1: Yeah. Well, I think less often I was picked than I just chose to do the role because I could see the role was there to be done. Right. And that goes right up to present day with with chairing the law firm effectively I became chair of the law firm because the then chair stood down and I, slightly as a joke but semi-seriously at the same time, just start, started signing myself as the chair and it right. stuck. <laughs> so how did that go down with your peers then? <laughs> well, 15 years later I'm still the chair and I get re-elected every few years so it probably went down all right but, it, but it's, it's this filling a vacuum thing. You know, you need somebody out of the trenches who's prepared to lead and... Maybe in the legal profession, that's an example of an industry where people don't naturally want to get out of the trenches. Where did the confidence come from? Then,
0: So you're you're signing yourself as the chairman, and 15 years later, you're still the chairman. Where does that confidence
1: to do that come from? I think it comes from a surprising place, because uh, I would describe myself as naturally fairly adventurous, but at the same time... um, quite a worrier, which is a very difficult balance. Right. So I might be thinking about bungee jumping off a very high bridge, but I'll be being terrified at the same time, but I know I've got to put myself through it. So I think what I've always thought is, if there is an experience that I'm afraid of, I've just got to go and face it down and do it. And I've kept doing it time after time after time and finding that the outcome today, to date, It'll continue.
0: It's been fine.
1: It's been fine. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: So, okay. But are there things that you know now that you wish you'd known right at the start?
1: Only that I can.
0: you must. Have, you must have had some inclination of that because you've kept on doing
1: it. No, I think the opposite. I. Th- I. Th- I. Th- I think. I mean, it's the imposter syndrome thing, isn't it? I think this is the time you've bitten off too much. This is the time it's all going to go wrong. This is the interview when you're going to make a complete fool of yourself. But you keep doing it and you find that you survived again and sometimes you succeeded again. Um, so it 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 gives that rush. You come out of the situation with the rush that, hey, I did well, I chaired that meeting well or I made that presentation go well. So the rush is well worth the nervousness of getting into the situation.
0: Okay, So so your point of learning is that as you as you progress as you get older as you move through your career you recognize hey i can yeah you, you you
1: you confront the fear which is there for everybody i would suggest and you find that on the other side is something that's better because you went through the situation what is not acceptable to me is hiding um and uh, I used to do a a talk uh, with a thing called Common Purpose, an organisation that used to exist very successfully, about leading without authority. And leading without authority is walking along a tightrope on the edge of a cliff with a high wind blowing, and it's really, really quite exciting. But if you feel you're actually contributing and succeeding in the role, then, again, the buzz that you get from it, the kick that you get from it, and hopefully the benefit that other people get from it is incalculable.
0: Do you find leadership thrilling?
1: At times, yeah. Innovating is probably the word I would use.
0: You've worked for Geldards for more than three decades. Um, You helped turn it into uh, one of the top 100 law firms in the country, as we've already mentioned. You're now chairman. What are the specific difficulties for someone who rises through the ranks of the same company?
1: Making yourself first among your peers is an interesting challenge which i respond to by considering that they probably want somebody to be if not first among them to represent them to say things that they might not dare to say to suggesting that things that they might not dare to do
0: so you're suggesting that an important part of leadership
1: is an ambassadorial role where you're almost representative of the people who you're leading It's a very important part of leadership, I think, but possibly one of the the primary ones. I I describe my role quite often as being responsible for setting fire to things or putting fires out. If there is an area of a business that I'm involved with which isn't going so well, I'm responsible for going and setting fire to it in terms of inflaming the... Sorting it out. Sorting it out, making things happen, getting people's passions uh, burning again. And then if there are areas of the business where... People, in particular, are having a problem, my role there is to support them, to help them, to nurture them, to help build them. So it's it's an equal balance role between making things happen, be that externally as an ambassador or, or internally by, you know, um, blowing the trumpet, or supporting people who aren't doing so well.
0: Over the years, you've taken on, outside of your day job... Um, several uh, leadership roles unpaid charitable community leadership roles um you know you're deputy chairman of the local local economic partnership you're a, you're a governor here at Nottingham Trent University um, and you've helped run a whole host of as i say local community organisations arts organisations do all um, do all good leaders do this feel the need to give something back
1: i should do and i think it's more than giving back uh, and i encourage everybody in our organisation in Geldards to take on external roles as well. Not least because, and mostly because, you learn from those roles, so it makes you better at the day job by learning how it is to be a leader or a contributor in other walks of life. Secondly, uh, a law firm can't just operate in isolation from society. We're not sitting in some ivory tower just waiting for people to come along, so we need to a, understand how society operates and be operate within it and support it so it, I wouldn't just term it giving back but it's operating as part of that organism that is the society we operate in. Are there particular
0: challenges uh, facing young people who uh, aspire to a leadership career today?
1: I think the biggest issue is probably confidence. Um, and some of that comes from the background that you emerge from. And One of the things I love about Nottingham Trent University in particular is it, it, its focus on social inclusion and making people's lives better, um, which I think is really special in, in, in the world of higher education. And I come from a semi-privileged background in the sense my, my father was a lawyer, my mother a teacher, and always had food on the table. But we weren't rich. There was no supposition that I would grow to succeed. And if I've had success, it's come through challenging myself to put myself in situations where I would be uncomfortable, like now. And doing things that I think would have surprised people who knew me as a kid who knew me at school, maybe even who knew me at university. Um, and it's all been through just pushing myself to develop confidence because confidence breeds confidence. Once you've done something and found you've done it, then you grow. Okay,
0: and is that is that something
1: which is more prevalent now
0: for young people, a bigger issue than it was perhaps when... I think, you so. or I, up? I
1: think so. I think so. I think so. It's, 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 it's more difficult now for young people to stand out. I mean, in a sense. Why is that? Well, in, in, in personal view, in a sense, the uh, expansion of access to higher education has created a challenge because when I emerged from university, I knew I was in the top, I can't remember what it it's, a couple of percent, four percent, whatever, of population in terms of my education and therefore employers would come and find us and would queue to employers because they knew we were in that in that percentile. Now that around 25% of, of, of young people go through higher education it's more difficult to stand out and I had this conversation a lot with young people particularly in the law school at Nottingham Trent which is that, that The very first stage at which you need to try and stand out is through your CV when you're getting your first role. How do you stand out from a CV? And I'm a big believer in recruiting for personality as opposed to qualifications. And getting your CV to stand out for personality is really, really difficult. So I'm always advocating that people should put in that very first opening paragraph something that grabs me, grabs my attention, nearly said something else, then grabs my attention. Um, and I think I've learned despite being a shy person that I've got to do things that are attention grabbing on a regular basis
0: and I think that leads into my next question which is um, I read something that you wrote at the end of your first lockdown the first lockdown sorry expressing concern about the breakdown of the traditional workplace building Mm. teams generating ideas being productive Mm. Um, this move towards online working what what, what differences is that making for, for younger people coming through
1: I honestly think it's desperately difficult. Um, if I, if I again, look at my own organisation, um, those that we have recruited during the period of lockdown have, candidly, I think, had training not at the level we would have liked to give them, supervision not at the level we should have given them, and... Um, Therefore, their start in their careers has been a lot more difficult than it should have been. Um, the difference since we've gone back to the office, where all as young people are back in the office learning by osmosis, which is how we learn best, um, is marked.
0: What can young people do for themselves and, and do more to make themselves stand out from the crowd during this particular time when most people are behind screens?
1: So the use of social media is a, is a very good example. I mean, I, I, if, if if you if I had a, an opportunity to say a second thing that I thought I'd done well as a leader in recent times, was I set myself the target of doing a blog every day to the firm through the whole of lockdown. So I think I, I did over 300 on a, on a daily basis. And that brought my, me to everybody's attention. Now, I try to encourage other people to do the same thing, just talk about how they feel, talk about their experiences, talk about their their hopes and fears. Not many took it up, but if I'd been a young person in Geldards, one of 400 people in Geldards, and I had done that, would I by, by now be standing out to everyone? Yes, I would. And all of the people who we employ are perfectly capable of doing it, but it's just having the courage to step out and have their words recorded or written down on paper and there are times I'm sure I wrote things in my blogs that were foolish or were, were probably uncomfortable for people, but I'm still here and I'm not untouchable. So I would encourage people, and I, I, my son's doing it to the moment actually. He's he's, um, he's putting out a, a, a weekly blog, and it's certainly increasing his fame within his industry already, and I've seen it happen in just in the last six to eight weeks. So the use of social media is a good one. But just actually going and talking to people. Um, you know, I, I, I do a talk uh, each year to the um, LPC course at uh, Nottingham Trent Law School. And the people who come and talk to me, I remember. And I know they do it deliberately, but that's a good thing. They should be. They should be looking to stand out. The ones that sit at the back of the class looking at their iPods are not really listening to me. Sure are probably not going to get engaged
0: so just to summarize there because i think this is important use social media Mm
1: -hmm.
0: put yourself about don't be frightened to do so express an opinion and secondly don't let that be a substitute for face-to-face make sure you're also pressing the flesh putting yourself in front of people let's have a coffee
1: and, and i'm always open to doing that um and the expressing an opinion part of it is really important because if you're just vanilla flavoured, again, you won't get spotted. You know, if, if you are writing or saying something, there's got to be some meat to it. If you're a lawyer giving advice, there's got to be some meat to it. You can't just express things in shades of grey. If you were
0: to offer a single piece of advice to young people, you know, as I said, perhaps graduating from the business school, starting out on their leadership career today what would
1: that be i think it would be that we all spend our lives trying to make ourselves loved and popular we start with our parents and then we we maybe progress to teachers and significant others and all the rest of it don't stop doing that as soon as you get into a corporate environment the danger is you just become a corporate mole and, and just disappear continue to get people to like you and love you and from that develop trust with them because then they will give you things to do they will give you roles, they will give you support if you just hide the danger is you you disappear um, so it's I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about hairstyle, I'm not necessarily talking about clothing, I'm not necessarily talking about tie if we ever wear a tie again. but I'm talking about standing out and getting people to like you for what you are, keep your personality. I've seen too many people want to become lawyers and think that means I've got to sit in a room all day and read turgid legal documentation. Well, yes that's part of the job but it's not the most critical part of the job. The critical part of the job is getting people to like you so that they'll use you.
0: Well, get people to like you. Mm. David Williams, thank you once again for being our guest on this episode of the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast. Thank
1: you, my pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, why not check out some of the others available, including those with the CEO of Coffee Chain 200 Degrees, Rob Darby, the Director of Nottingham Contemporary, Sam Thorne, or the Queen's Lord Lieutenant of London, Sir Ken Elisa. The Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast is produced for Nottingham Trent University by Celtic Tiger Productions. Your presenter was Mike Sassy, and your producer was John Collins.